0: you're listening to the music marketing manifesto podcast where you'll learn advanced strategies tactics and tips for actually selling your music Yay! if you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com that's music marketing and sign up for your free copy of the music marketing blueprint now here's your host john Oshaka. All right, yeah,
1: John O'Jaca here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 22 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Uh, this episode is going to be a bit of a doozy. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked and, and proud, frankly, to share this episode with you because we are going to be talking to a guy named Josh Solomon of the band The Empty Pockets. Now, Josh is a Music Marketing Manifesto customer, uh, a member. He he bought the course uh, a couple of years ago. His band had just put out an album, uh, and frankly, like most independent artists, that that album was not doing very well. They were having a hard time. Uh, uh, they had sold very few copies. I think they had about a thousand likes on their Facebook page. They had less than a thousand subscribers, um, but they bought the course. They applied the strategies. They really ran with it, uh, and they have cracked it. You know, fast forward two years, uh, that uh, their their Facebook followers have grown from a thousand to thirteen thousand. Uh, their mailing list has grown from less than a thousand to over thirty. Thousand which is huge and that album that uh, had only sold a, a couple of hundred copies initially uh, Has now sold over nine thousand copies uh, and is and is climbing every week. They they are currently or uh, As of, I think these, these are last week's charts I'm not exactly sure where they are but they've been bouncing around the charts for gosh three or four weeks now I believe and and there's no sign of this stopping the the most recent data. I have is that they are at number 10 on billboards americana folk album chart number nine on billboards heat seeker albums chart number 30 uh, across all independent albums um uh, again all of these are billboard charts no, number 30 on billboard's country album uh chart number 36 uh on billboard's rock album chart and they uh have got four uh four other regional heat positions all in the top 10 uh, at last glance. So they are they are just doing exceptionally well and I really want to stress the fact that all of this is on an album that is 2 years old. In other words, they didn't start to see any action on this album until it had already been out for a very long time, well past the point when most record labels or even individuals even independent musicians would have given up on the album and considered it a flop uh, but they didn't do that uh, again they they bought music marketing manifesto that laid out a strategy they did the work and they are having a tremendous amount of success now i do absolutely want to give credit where credit is due uh, their success is a result of their hard work their effort their originality their creativity as you'll hear josh is a, a very smart and uh, energetic guy who is bringing a lot to the table, uh, bringing his own brand and style to the marketing and just, just really knocking it out of the park. But I'm really proud of, uh, some of the things that frankly, Josh has to say about, uh, the impact that the course had on their career and his life. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm proud of the fact that, uh, the course has played some small part in this band's success. And, as I say, there's no sign of of things slowing down. I think we're going to see some really big things from this band. They're already a huge independent success, and I think these numbers are just going to continue to grow. Uh, they've got it dialed in, and they are doing exceptionally well. So, very proud of them, and uh, very appreciative of Josh uh, of the fact that Josh took the time to share his uh, experience with us in the episode. Um, so, something else that I want to talk about before we get into the uh, the interview, and this is huge news, it's huge for me uh, anyway, uh, is that I am about to release Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. So uh, as some of you probably know, um, I originally released Music Marketing Manifesto way back in 2009. So we're, we're not quite at a decade yet, but we're creeping up on it. Uh, and way back then, there were, there were very few other people in this space. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that Music Marketing Manifesto uh, is one of the original Courses of its kind uh, in this space. It's had a, I think, a significant impact on the way that music is currently being promoted um, or independent music is currently being promoted. Um, but we're really still at the early stages of this new music industry. Um, and over the years, I've released several versions of the course, uh, and it is time for a new version. So, uh, again, in, within a few weeks, I'm currently uh, I've got, I've got it, uh, penned in here or written on the calendar for, uh, July 26th. So just a few weeks from now, uh, to release this thing. Uh, frankly, this, I am extremely proud of this course. This is the best thing that, that I've ever done. Uh, I I've been working on this since, believe it or not, last year, uh, I have put just a, many, almost a decade's worth of experience into this thing. Well, actually a lot more when you start looking at the amount of time that I've I've been working as a just general online marketer and a lifetime as a musician. But again, I've been working as a music marketing consultant since way back when that first version of MMM was released. I've since worked for a a number of independent artists and record labels and helped numerous artists climb to the top of numerous sales charts. And I've taken all of those experiences, and incorporated many recent changes in both the music industry and uh, the online marketing world and put all of that into this new version of uh, the course, which is up-to-date, cutting-edge. There are a ton of really cool new tools uh, and strategies in the course. Uh, There's a new uh, music Marketing Manifesto WordPress template that uh, just blows uh, the last one out of the water. Frankly, it's got a, a ton of new customization options so that uh, you can create your own slick version of the MMM theme that I've been uh, providing over the last few years in MMM 3.0. And I, again, I'm just I'm just really excited to get this out into the space and share it with you guys. So if you're a podcast listener, but you're not on the um, mailing list, then head on over to MusicMarketingManifesto.com. Get yourself on the mailing list. Uh, if you're already on the mailing list, then keep an eye on your inbox because not only am I going to have a, a ton of uh, n- additional information about this release over the next few weeks, but I'm also going to be doing uh, a pretty substantial early bird discount uh, on this course. So anybody who picks it up on launch day or shortly thereafter will get a substantial discount. And in my, in my humble opinion, uh, you know, this, this thing, this course is, it's solid. It's really good stuff. And, and I, I really feel that when it comes to online marketing or more specifically, uh, the uh, music marketing, you're going to get a a college level education for an extreme fraction of the price. I haven't pinpoint the price points yet, but it'll certainly be under $200. I, I, I've made it a point to keep my prices low. And as I say, there'll be a big discount for anybody who picks it up uh, on launch day. So go and make sure you're on the mailing list. Uh, But do keep an eye on your inbox uh, for more information about the release of Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, which is currently scheduled for release on July 26th. Um, Let's see a couple final points before we dive into that interview. Uh, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, then please do head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Leave me a rating uh, and review. Those ratings and reviews really help. They bring in more listeners, which means uh, more episodes. So, so if you would, head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and uh, leave a review. I, I'd sincerely appreciate it. And finally, if you enjoy this episode, if you appreciate all of the uh, insight and experience that Josh is about to share with us uh, in this interview, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash The Empty Pockets. Again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash The Empty Pockets. And I'll include that link in the show notes uh, over on the site. But uh, follow that link and that'll get you access to two free songs from the empty pockets you can check them out and if you like the music then pay it forward and consider picking up a copy of their album if nothing else you'll get some insight into the uh, marketing strategies that they are using and uh, you'll get yourself some great music while you're at it so without further ado let's jump on into this uh, interview again we've got josh solomon from the empty pockets on the line josh thanks for being on the call
0: Hey, thanks for having me, John. This is a little uh, surreal for me. I have listened to many of these podcasts uh, to help myself, so uh, it feels sort of funny to be on it. I I, I love hearing that because I'm a
1: podcast junkie myself. And, and I know that I've had, I've been in your shoes where I'm interacting, you know, I'm on the phone with some host or something that I've listened to for, for dozens or hundreds of hours. And I think it's really cool when I I love the idea of somebody sort of feeling that way uh, about little old me. So that's, that's cool. (laughs) Um, I appreciate it. Um, Well, I'm really excited about this call. I think, I think, this is going to be perhaps, and we've had, you know, we've had some really exciting guests recently, but for me, this is perhaps uh, looking like it might be one of the most exciting interviews that we've had in quite a long time on this podcast, uh, because you are a, if, if you don't mind me saying it, a music marketing manifesto student uh, who ha- who is really kicking some butt. You are charting all over the place. Uh, you've, you've, I don't know if revived is the right word, but you've elevated your career to a pretty impressive spot using, uh, I think, as you'll explain a bit more, the, the strategies that you learned in Music Marketing Manifesto. Is is that right? Oh, yeah. You want to sum, sum that up for people?
0: I would love to. I just told John before we started recording, the ni- I think I paid something like $100 or $150 for Music Marketing Manifesto two years ago, and I'm not a paid salesperson. And uh, it was such an amazing investment for us. Uh, I think the main thing that happened when we found you is a philosophy change. And I'm sure we'll get way into that. But, but right now, to summarize, yeah, we, our, our career hasn't, certainly hasn't been revived because uh, <laughs> it was low, like <laughs> most musicians of, uh, that we have. Let me just say two years ago, we had 500. Let's get into numbers for a second. We had 500 email list members. You know, we had 1,000 Facebook fans. Um, we were trying to tour, trying to make money. We pretty much never sold a record. And through a lot of hard work, it wasn't easy. But using, uh, John, your basic philosophy of, I guess I would boil it down to build an email list and take it seriously. <laughs> uh, we've now come to a point where, as you said to so our album, The Ten Cent Tour, that we released two years ago, uh, we were able to move 1,400, uh, actually 1,391 units uh a couple of weeks ago and then the week after that 1100 units and then the week after that 400 units and that has kept us on the billboard charts now for the last three weeks it's pretty crazy i can't uh that's amazing I can't get over it i and, keep going to billboard.com to check
1: yeah and and what <laughs> run down some of those charts because you're not on like one chart you're on a whole, no. whole boatload of charts
0: so we're on the independent albums chart uh which is any any artist that's on an independent label. So, for instance, the, the number one artist this week, I think, is Blink-182. Last week was, um, you know, New Kids on the Block. So, I believe we rose from 36 to 30 on that chart. Some of the cool ones are we're 10th on Americana. This is album sales. Sure. Uh, 28 was our peak on the country chart. 36 on the rock chart. And then the really proud one is a chart called Heat Seekers, which a lot of people might not be familiar with, but they should get familiar with it because... Heat Seekers is the chart that we all have a shot at. And when I say we all, I I think of, you know, literally this is our first any sort of hint of, I'm quoting, air quoting, mainstream success, you Mm -hmm. know, sales on a chart. We're, you know, I bought Music Marketing Manifesto two years ago. Like, we're the same music. I listen to this podcast. And, uh, you know that that's sort of the magic to me is that this heat seekers chart is, is any artist who's not been on the billboard 200 actually think it's, who's not been on the top 100 of the billboard 200 can appear on this chart. Right. And, uh, we just got to the top 10. We just got to number nine. Yeah. it's Um, and you know, I think that chart is really important because it's the future of music. Yeah. People watch it. It's true. And I, I think all of your students, you know, obviously including me, I can, I definitely, uh, count myself as one of your students. Uh, that 's the chart that we all have a shot at for real right. you know right. if you 're releasing an album, I really think you can sell seven eight hundred copies of that album in the first week and uh make that chart oh, it feels <laughs> it does feel good
1: <laughs> well yeah and you know you you 're sort of touching on an, a a good point and it 's one of the cooler things about your story is that you know, a chart positions are obtainable, um, especially when you use the MMM strategy. You you build a big audience and you use some some pretty fundamental selling strategies to get those fans off the off the fence, so to speak, and get them to actually buy. You know, charting is very doable, and I've seen it on virtually every campaign that I worked on, uh, and I've heard reports from numerous artists about it. But you're doing it week after week after week. So you know, getting that first week sales chart. Is It's still tough, you know, you still have to have a fan base, um, but that's one thing, but going and charting week after week after week, and, you know, you're week number three, you're, you're climbing on most of your charts, and there's no reason that this chart uh, action is not going to uh, continue for many weeks to come, and moreover, as, as you told me outside of this recording, you're doing this with an album that's two years old, so an album that you put out two years ago, and correct me wherever I'm getting this wrong, is suddenly... Uh, suddenly the world is discovering it and that's huge uh, because I, I get those emails all the time and I know there are a lot of artists. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of artists out there who feel like they had their shot. The album came out and it's over and they don't realize that the album life cycle, again, big air quotes there, that's an old concept that's a concept that applies to or or, or that came about because of the radio cycle
0: it's it's been more i think it's even more important to dive in here for a second i find myself saying this the album cycle and i call it the boom and bust music industry Uh cycle this concept of release and 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 release and sprint and then rest and then make a new product and release and sprint it's not just old it's destructive It is a – I really believe letting that go – I mean, probably over the course of this podcast, I'll talk about, like, some of my core philosophies. I tend, I tend to boil them down into, like, little phrases, like, waiting for my prince to come or if they build sure. it. They, you know, I, turn, I, I, I try to remember little things, and, and, and that's a core <clears throat> one, you, you, you know, and I think that it's it's hard to get it out of your head because of – All the culture, all of the legends, all the stories, all the movies and TV shows. Um, Do you ever watch, did you ever see that show Full House? I loved that show when I was a kid.
1: (laughs) I did. Uh,
0: (laughs) Every time uh, Uncle Jesse, it came back to Uncle Jesse's career, he'd come into the house and tell everybody, I got a record deal. All I got to write is that hit song. And if if you watch Full House, you'll know that Uncle Jesse never became a famous musician. And I actually think it's the perfect, like... Yes. If you have a hit song, anybody's going to give you a record deal. But that's sort of like saying, yeah, you'll be it's 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 the it's reverse logic. You don't get a hit song first. And I I just think that that we got to let that go. And it makes me so sad when I talk to artists that have four or five albums who are great artists and they consider those four or five albums like sort of dead. And right. to me, I'm like, no one's ever heard any of this yeah. you know and and I'm not saying that is a knock to your music or my music or anyone's music out there um and this sort of brings me to my second core philosophy, which I hesitate to say to be honest because <laughs> uh i I have like when I was a kid, I always thought to myself hey if we go to a gig let's go make some money and when i was 11 or 12 really early on and it really affected me like these musician friends of mine like started calling me a sellout and i'm like right. a little bit sensitive about it because i love music this is all i ever wanted to do this is all i do for the last 11 years so i don't want to sound like a sellout but i'm gonna say it anyway because i think it's helpful i would say in some ways what the album sounds like is the least important factor to the mm-hmm. success um, I, lo-
1: <laughs> <of sales. laughs> I love hearing this because this is something I tiptoe around so constantly. Well, it's,
0: it's hard to say. And I feel like an asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's true. I, I, I sadly, I don't think music is unimportant. I think it's important for the delivery. And I, I know you're going to say something, but it, I do want to uh, back this up by saying, if you look at hugely famous and successful artists, their best selling albums are almost all the album after they're critically acclaimed, most loved albums. Right, right. Right. Good point. So what I think the quality of your album doesn't affect the sales of that album. I, my theory is the quality of your album affects the sales of the next album.
1: Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, they, they say it a lot in just business circles. So let's just talk, talk about business um, and, and assume, you know, that everyone understands that their music is a business. Um, that, that when it comes to marketing, you know, the the product really doesn't matter. And again, the product matters a lot as, as human beings. You know, we make the world a better place by creating great products. So you, ha- you have to create great music in you're order to
0: get repeat customers without well, a great product. Well, but that's you're, all, you're also true. Sure. Can't repeat customers without customers and getting customers right. has nothing to do with the product that's right. what i think
1: right and for the most part well well it's an absolute truth that the the consumer the fan has not has not consumed the product before they buy it. So sure, they've gotten a sense of it. You've probably played them a song or two. Um, so they, they do have a sense of it. Maybe they've even sampled it, but they haven't consumed the product before they buy it. So exactly. therefore, uh, on a purely you know trying to make a point uh, basis, uh, the, the product is somewhat irrelevant. It's the marketing that is ultimately leading to that sale. But again, this does not mean that we
0: don't have a responsibility to make great products. Well, I think um, we can choose to take that information and be motivated or demotivated by it. Obviously, right, we right. could take it and be demotivated and say it doesn't matter. My music is sucks or it's great, but it doesn't matter. And that's not what I mean. What I mean is, for the most part, if you have an album out there, it's probably a viable product. If you think it's good, there's probably enough people out there that agree with you. If you can find them and sell that to them, that you probably are sitting on a viable product, and that—that's sort of my point. Not that it doesn't sure. matter. It is a shitty thing to say.
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you know? I, I don't remember actually. So uh, this analogy, like, might I might shoot myself in the foot here with this one because <laughs> I don't remember how much she actually sold. But I thought, didn't Paris Hilton have a hit? I know she was out there, but yeah, and I'm I'm assuming that that sold some copies, and at the same time, you know, the the. the the, common, the commonality between someone like her and, I don't know, Jeff Buckley is, is the marketing. You know, the, the, the products are obviously incredibly different, but they both, uh, I assume, I think, I believe, it's correct to say they both sold well uh, to some extent. And, and, and oh, again, yeah. that, that's because of Paris the marketing. Hilton.
0: Paris Hilton. I'm just looking up her Billboard chart <laughs> ranks. She has 283 Billboard chart ranks, and they're very high on many, many charts, including radio and sales charts. You are and, very correct, sir. <laughs> and so I don't, you
1: know, if that doesn't prove that the marketing is an important component, then I don't, I don't know what.
0: Offense intended on Paris. <laughs> <Silver>. Josh <laughs> at TheEmptyPockets.com dot is my email. Paris, all responses can go to there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, um, so let's. Uh, before we, you know, we don't want to spend a half an hour just up on our soapboxes talking about um, <laughs> how, how right we are when it comes to our philosophies on marketing. Which we are. <laughs> let's tell people a bit about your story. So let's start at the beginning. Let's dial it back two years or two and a half years. You're the average musician. You, as you said, haven't sold an album or, you know, something close to that. Where are you at? And describe that, that transformation.
0: So, uh, two years ago, this is my sort of 12th year being a full time musician. So, two years ago, I turned, uh, you know, 29, and I sort of looked at my life. We've been performing 200 shows a year live. You're really working our butts off. Um, And we sort of got to a point where, you know, we're charging a ton of money to do a wedding or a corporate event, and we don't have that much more room to grow in a lot of ways. You know, we we're grossing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, paying ourselves salaries. But it, it's there's a lot of expenses. And, um, and what kind of music were you making? Sorry, we're making rock and roll, you know, right. so we're sort of doing concerts and essentially making no money doing an original concert. And then making our money, you know, playing covers of, of Van Morrison and John Mayer or whatever at a wedding, at a corporate, you know, sort of a combination of those two things. But, right? but
1: doing better than most if you're making, did you say yes. six figures a yeah, year? Yeah, six
0: figures. I wasn't personally, but my business was grossing right. you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, so we're each making a, a twenty, thirty thousand dollars salaries. We're doing health insurance. We're doing good. Right. Um, but. It took 10 years to build that, and we realized that was the end of the rope in a line in a lot of ways. Right. Right. Um, and we we love making original music. We had made it that whole time, but essentially, to be honest, we had taken any profit we made from working our butts off at a wedding or a corporate and poured it back into original music. So essentially, our original music was a uh, loss, not even a loss leader, just a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, and, and, and I really didn't want that to be a loss. I mean. It, to be honest, I'm very ambitious, but at first my goal was just to not lose money. <laughs> you know, I, sure. I know we didn't just want to play weddings and just say, forget the original music, we're losing money. But money became more and more important to us as we grew up, you know, we all got married kids people are contemplating kids all this stuff you know life moves on and you're like oh damn insurance is really expensive
1: but you got into this to you know be a rock star you didn't get into it to be a a wedding wedding singer
0: exactly so we you know we made an album and we released it this 10 cent tour album essentially right as i was finding you and we released it we sold 298 copies in the first week and 11 copies in the second week you know how it is sure and i'm sorry
1: was was this your first
0: album this was the 10 cent tour it's uh so it's a it's probably our our first album under the empty pockets actually the whole i have sort of a elaborate history but we started a band called josh in the empty pockets eventually i got married and my wife joined the band she's a great singer erica and uh we took the josh and out very few instances where somebody's still in a band and their name has been removed but that's the band i'm in and uh (laughs) We released a couple of little things, but our main release was in 2015. Was this 10 cent tour? And right after we released it, essentially, my whole life changed because I watched uh, this video. I saw a Facebook ad that said, "Sell albums without radio, without touring, without press." Now we do radio, we do we tour a ton, and we get press. Uh, but so I happen to know that at least at a low level, like not Bruno Mars, Taylor Swift, empty pockets level, right. uh, those things don't sell records. And then you spoke to me, uh, John Ojaka. you come on and you say, hey, I, I got signed by this record label. We had just gotten dropped from Universal. They had done nothing for us except hold us hostage for a while. Um, I released the album. We sold 300 copies of it, 298. Like I said, I was feeling really down, like mm-hmm. 300 copies is, and then is not going to change my life. And, that, and I had nowhere else to go. Like, those 300 copies maxed out everyone I knew, our entire Facebook page, our entire email list. That was done. And I just felt like garbage. And you came on and you said, I, got, I had the last most profitable record deal or whatever that was, which I thought was cool, and it didn't work. You know, I, I thought I was going to be famous and rich and rock star, and, and, I, and I didn't. And then you went on to describe learning email marketing. And then as you described the, the basics this concept of building the fan relationship, this concept that you could... What I really was psyched about that you were teaching was this concept of fan acquisition, that we could actually go acquire fans and keep them. You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, That was very sexy to me, and I started enthusiastically down that path. Uh, Facebook ads and... I remember I hired, uh, you know, just sort of gotten a call with you, you know, like a little extra help that I hired you to do, and and you pointed me in this direction of really focusing in on who we are, what our story is, you know, communicating the narrative, and and a couple months after that, we were able to really define our audience for the first time. Uh, It's actually a funny anecdote. We did a show for like an NPR station in Scranton, and it was sold out, 100 people, and it was like 60 to 68 years old 100 percent right they loved it and they bought a ton of cds and it was really fun and i looked at the band afterwards and i said hey guys if if we're if we're successful and selling tickets all over the country and all the people buying tickets are 65 years old what do you guys think of that and all three of my bandmates were like sounds good to me i don't care you know like we just like playing and that allowed me to really dive in and open up because there's something about the music industry that's sort of like really obsessed with young people. Right. You know, go get the 26-year-olds and the 18-year-olds. And our, mus- our music, I'm not saying everybody should go after this demo. It's about matching it to your music. And when right. we started being really honest with ourselves, we discovered that our demographic's actually 35 to 60-year-old men that we call the urban cowboy. And once I got in the head of this fake guy that I call Jim, the urban cowboy. I mean, I really personified this guy. Mm -hmm. And I started writing everything to him. Facebook ads, squeeze pages, sales pages, emails. Like literally, we started finding this voice. People started, things started to click. We started getting emails for cheaper. People started to buy our CD regularly. that was really the journey and then we've been obviously refining there's a ton of tactics that you and I can get into a ton of philosophies i have like how important and the the best ways to ab test are you know how important it is to not listen to your own assumptions in some way or especially wider industry assumptions i have a ton of things we could talk about but that's the basic gist you know we learned to talk in the voice of our audience right. and i know that sounds nebulous but it's so clear now, and now no, I, it's, I literally it, do it every day. I speak to our audience in that voice every day.
1: It's it's so fundamental and so crucial and so kind of amazing that you you come to that. I don't believe because uh, MMM teaches you how to build a funnel, uh, MMM 3.0. I'm about to release MMM 4.0 and, and that's going to go more into brand building than 3.0 did. Um, but again, MMM is a, it's a course that teaches a marketing strategy. It teaches you how to build the funnel that you're sort of talking about or, t- or touching on at this point. Um, but I don't believe, because it's been a long time since I've gone through the videos, I don't believe that MMM 3.0 um, talks about that fan avatar. Again, MMM 4.0 does in the Insider Circle, my sort of mastermind group. I have a, a bunch of training on that, but that's something that you know I, I recommend people do as well. I've done a little bit of it, is is creating this fan avatar, and, and it might seem goofy, but going as far as It does fine, seem goofy. Yeah, it seems stupid.
0: It seems like a waste <laughs> of time.
1: Find some picture on the on the web and create a little fake, you know, not not literal Facebook profile, but something on your desk that you pin up. So write out this person's favorite movies, this person's favorite albums that
0: could also take uh, your your, your super fan, even if you only have one right now, you Mm -hmm. know, if you. If you've seen like Flight of the Concords, you know how what's her name? Kristen Shaw is their hilarious super fan. Sure. Like I do think you can base a fan avatar off a current Superfan, fan, right, which is right. part of what we did. It's actually why I named it Jim. Jim Mulligan's right. a big fan of ours. If you're listening, Jim, we named our fan avatar after
1: you. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Um, it's brilliant. And I've done little exercises as well with copywriting. Um, and cause that's fundamentally what you're describing. Copywriting is a word I hate throwing around cause I, I think it doesn't mean anything to people. I think copywriting tends, if it conjures up anything at all, it conjures up, um, what's his name? Uh, Peterson from Seinfeld, you know, the, the writing catalog yes. copy, which is very,
0: but I it... agree with you, man. And if, if, I, if, if I could say pick one skill besides whatever your music is design, uh-huh. you know, tech, I'd say it's copywriting every single yeah, time. Absolutely. That is the skill.
1: Same answer. I give him scary when I word. Yeah, it's 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 oh, really yeah, you know, exactly. when yeah, when anytime I've been in a podcast and they ask, you know, what's your one bit of advice? It's 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 either get a, an autoresponder or it's uh, learn learn copywriting because it's fundamentally well, what it's, you're doing. It's same
0: thing. Copywriting into autoresponder. Well, yeah, exactly, you know, like, exactly. you know, and I, I don't want to be harsh about it. But like, you know, if you're a musician thinking, oh, I don't want to write an email every day. I'll say two things to that. One, get over it. And two, it's easier <laughs> than you think. It really right. is easier than you think. Once you get into it and you start doing it, it's literally like a diary. In fact, John said something to me once. I can't remember if it was in an email or just you and I on the phone or in a blog or whatever. But you said after you pass that five-digit mark, like 10,000-plus email subscribers, you start to really get to know the personality of your list. And that's so true because of how the numbers – uh, uh, because of how the numbers work out, like now I have 27,000 email list members. That's right. a metric that I wanted to share. It was 500 two years ago, enter music marketing manifesto and my time and money investment. Now it's 27,000. That's a real asset. Yeah, it's and incredible. when I send an email, I get a flavor of how my list took it because sure. of the responses. Yeah. Because um, I never send an email and don't get a response because I'm sending it to 27,000 people exactly um which is a, it's a it's a game it's a game changer and to be honest with you i'm so beyond uh it being a burden i li- i look forward to sharing with the list it doesn't it feels the opposite of a burden to me now because it's so fucking motivating to send a list and say hey do you want to buy this and then like 12 people buy it Right yeah, oh, it's, it's
1: so exciting. I mean, just, just getting oh, feedback. It's, it it's, why, get it's why we do this. You know, we, we, we yeah. started creating music because we wanted to reach people. And through yep. this form of marketing, it's really, you know, uh, you, you when we were chatting, you mentioned Derek Sivers, Der, Derek's a friend and and I interviewed him on the podcast uh, a while back. And he mentioned something in that episode where he, uh, said, you know, the, uh, the painting doesn't stop at the edge of the canvas or, uh, it might be, bastardizing the quote but you know something along uh, yeah he, he's awesome. awesome
0: shit like that all the time
1: and 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 his <laughs> so point a
0: Derek, go ahead go ahead
1: uh, well his point uh, as i took it was you know that the marketing is part of the art and and when you reach out like that to in your case twenty seven thousand people like man the feedback the blog comments the you know the the purchases um that's so much fun <laughs> you know like uh i'll, so I'll send much out not it makes blast. everything fun yeah, you send out a blast and you wake up to 200 emails in your inbox and well, that might be a bit of work to sort through. I mean, I don't know, it's a good problem to have. But there's there's so much that I, you know, kind of want to comment on one one just before we go too far off course. You were talking about that sort of ideal fan and really focusing in on on that customer and writing better uh or that that perfect fan uh, avatar and and as such, or as a result, creating better copy. You know, that's one of the things that I first did. This is years ago when I was stuck on an email is I just, I, I I didn't know, you know, when we first engage with marketing, we tend to do a bad job of it by mimicking the other marketing that we've noticed in our lives. But the marketing you tend to notice tends to be the bad marketing because it's overt and over the top and that's not what we want to do. So it's hard. It's harder than we think as people that would say we hate all this cheesy marketing, once we start doing it, we more often than not tend to be a bit cheesy with our first few attempts. And one of the ways that I personally broke out of that habit was just opening up an, uh, an email, typing in my friend Sean's address and i started just writing the email that i intended to send to my entire list to sean so i said hey sean and then i'd tell him about brilliant the new new blog post or whatever and i never sent it to sean but just imagining sean's skeptical face as i sent it totally made it real and i didn't sound like i don't i hope uh, a cheesy mattress salesman i sounded like sean's friend who wanted to tell him about my album. Now I probably took that and then dressed it up a bit so that it would work for the masses, but it really got me into the right headspace. And I have a lot of little exercises that, that I do along those lines. But again, we're, we're really going down now the rabbit hole of copywriting and I, I kind of want to stay on your story. So, so incredible transformation. I mean, your 500 to 27,000 email list sort of says it all, but I don't. I think a lot of listeners, you know, there are many people that have just stumbled upon MMM and and through this podcast episode and have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, And obviously, you know, some of your strategy is going to be your own proprietary stuff—the stuff you've worked hard to develop—and fair enough if you want to keep that uh, to yourself. But let's share whatever we can and just kind of explain the process because it is—it is more than just build a mailing list and take it seriously. It is. It's um, a lot,
0: and and you keep referencing the funnel. Uh, So I just want to get on. Yeah, yeah explain all, all vocabulary so i call it my system some just different words sure sure and basically what that means to me is a growth mechanism a way to, to there's two uh, how i have come to understand all of this as as musician entrepreneurs which is what we really are and need to be if we want to be successful uh, there's two things that we need to do as marketers right one is we need to uh, we need the fresh meat. We need to acquire brand new fans that have never heard of us before. Those come from the, what I call the system, or what I think you're also referring to as a, a funnel. Now we can also use a funnel, you know, to send current fans. But but that th- that distinction r- was a huge piece for me. This idea that, and this is the main, th- a huge thing that John teaches in MM Music Marketing Manifesto, is that we can. I've paid for radio in the past, and John, you've talked about that too. I've spent $50,000 going after radio spins, and we got to number 24 on Adult Contemporary in the nation. That translated to 102 single sales, so that's about (laughs) $80. So the ROI is what, minus 5,000% or something something Uh, like that?
1: I can't begin Uh, to do that math. I'd say it's worse than that probably. It's (laughs) it's
0: really bad, uh, and I know radio does pay off at times when they spend 500 grand maybe, but, but I, it, 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 and I believe in radio. I think it can work, but I wanted to spend money on radio and I begged Barton, steal that money. And I was devastated that we didn't sell more albums. The reason I wanted to do it is because that's where I find music. Right. You know, I said to myself before I found your program, I wish I did. Cause I would have been like, John, I 50,000 or hundred, or $150, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's not a tough, you know, the reason I spent money on radio is to find new fans, because that's where I find new music. And I've read study after study still that people find new music on FM radio. It's still true, no matter how much we want to talk about the internet. Um, FM radio is true, but it, it didn't work for me. And, and, it, and, and John explained why. Because you really got to spend a half a million dollars, a half a million. So we were, we only spent 10% of what you got to go spend on the radio to make a dent. But the magic for me is, is that I can now spend a few dollars, $5, and, and to buy a customer from Facebook. Not even an email address. That's my secret sauce right now, John. Is that I give Facebook $5, and they give me a, a paying customer. Um, Brilliant. And, and that's the system. And, and, and it's just a version. It's just my own Josh version of the MMM funnel. You know, it's... I. I'm saying to Facebook, I'm I'm making I out make all kinds of offers. I'm constantly testing everything, and I'm basically saying, here's something you might want. Sometimes it's a free thing. Sometimes it's a shipping and handling only. Whatever it is, and um, you know, it's a matter of getting in that voice, and and that that that's the first step. It's a it's it's more it's a lot of work to put that system together, but that's the first step I think to being like a real business. You right. know, acquiring customers on purpose.
1: If I could just kind of insert myself. And again, this is more for the, the listener that has no idea what we're talking about. They've just stumbled upon it. They're scratching his head. What does he mean? Buy a customer for five dollars. I want to buy customers. You know, how do you do that? So again, you can you can correct me where I'm wrong in terms of how you've applied sure. this stuff. But the fundamentals that Josh is talking about here are going out using advertising to drive traffic towards some kind of an automated relationship building system or funnel And that means people sign up, get some free music, or maybe they buy something, they get added to an uh, email list, and then you use a combination of pre-written or real-time emails to get those people to continue to engage, read your content, listen to your music, and occasionally you ask for some financial support and you ask them to buy some stuff. So we're building a tribe. We're using a lot of automation, a lot of online tools to scale this well beyond what we could do if we just toured for the rest of our lives and just shook hands. Um, right and, and that's the point
0: i was making at the beginning is that you know we reached a point more successful than tons of small bands where we realized we can't grow anymore right and we right. want more than this because you can, touring is scalable but you have to bring your own demand you yeah, know exactly, obviously exactly. there's no point of playing a two thousand seat venue if you can only draw 100 people and as
1: such as a business model i don't see it as scalable you're i mean again I'm, that's not entirely true i completely agree with what you're saying it's just i think a lot of people have this idea that not you just tour forever and that's how you make money well, now as a musician especially the
0: context you're talking in that in it, that's also an excuse for stealing music oh don't worry about it they make money touring that's an excuse for not supporting a band you like you know essentially you know not buying their album or what. Th- 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 i have heard that oh whatever they make their money touring Right. I mean to me that's insane. But but
1: you you said the most important thing you need to bring your own demand for touring to ultimately work. Otherwise you're playing for five people at uh, the local roadhouse and you know that's that's kind of a dead end road. I mean a few people can make that work for a very long and kind of hard
0: but hard life. It doesn't build to anything. Exactly. Uh, take it, don't you don't need to travel the country. I did it for you. I've played 1000 <laughs> gigs in the last 10 years. I'm not exaggerating. That's public gigs. I played another 600 privates. Right. And it does not build right. automatically. Exactly. It just doesn't. This works. Oh right. my gosh! I mean, I'm so excited all the time, man. Like what I <laughs> the the, the horizon awesome. that I see. Like for instance, we have are finally figuring out a way to get the system, the funnel, to acquire fans regularly. In fact, since we've been talking, we've acquired. We, I've sold three CDs, um, and those are to brand new people. You know, I, it just turns me on every day. I love waking up and looking at my phone. I have like a Stripe is like our payment processor. I get like the alerts in real time. And yeah. I, my wife is just driving. I'm driving her crazy because she's like, if you keep looking at your phone, Josh, I'm going to make you move out of our house because <laughs> I'm so obsessed with each sale uh, that totally. comes in. Uh, I'm going to let you keep me on track because I could go on any tangent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, you need to go and hook up a little cash register st- sound to those specific emails with the new order kind of language in your inbox. I love that. So you get the little, <laughs> you get the little thrill. But I know, I know what, I know what that's like. I'm constantly like, uh, you know, picking my kids up from school and I'm on my phone and it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm working. I'm not that dickhead that's sitting there, you know, re- responding to somebody on Facebook. This is work. And, and I just made, you know, a bunch of money. Anyway, um, so. Okay, so uh, and again, I, I think we still kind of rush past it. Just when you say purchasing a customer, you, you, what you don't literally go out. I want to make that clear and buy a customer. Right. You don't say right. Facebook. I'll give you five dollars if somebody orders. You refine right. no, your you system. Take the risk. Yes, you refine your system to a degree where you can get a predictable uh, cost to acquire a new subscriber or or customer so again it's not a literal purchase but you are effectively purchasing customers and um, right i think josh is
0: because of the uh the word you used used was uh, the predictable it gets so predictable eventually you know that you know you know i'm putting in a hundred dollars i know i'm getting 20 customers back tomorrow right you know that but i i i'm i was lazy with language there and maybe that's a little bit uh Confusing, You know, because there is no magic bullet. Uh, I, I lost m- money before I made any money uh, doing this, you know, which is so- common.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it bi- business? bi- yeah, businesses usually are not instantly profitable, especially something that's based on direct response. We're not going and buying the most valuable real estate in the country with all the foot traffic we could ever want. We have, we, this is a virtual space with kind of no upfront costs aside from, you know, making a, a record, I suppose. Um, and so we need to go and drive that traffic uh, into our system. And bef- until that system is refined, there's going to be an imbalance or there's usually an imbalance between what we spend you know what we make and it is a process of refining and and, you know that's certainly something we talk about well i
0: think that that, and that's so much of this process is this concept of refinement of of testing you know it's funny my bass player uh nate asked me the other day we do all our own fulfillment so we've been crazy because we've moved thousands of units nate is in charge of our we do all our own shipping and everything and um He asked me the other day because, you know, he's he obviously because he does all the shipping, he sees as the system gets better, you know, and he's like, Whoa, (laughs) it's a good day today. I'm shipping out a ton of shit. And, And he asked me, what's the thing that like surprised you the most, you know, so far? And uh, with that refining thing, what surprised me the most is how much a small change on a page can make a massive difference. Sure. And what I what I mean by that is like, let's say uh, one of my main headlines is, uh, you know, let's see. One of my main headlines is, you know, grab – your free copy of the 10 cent tour before we run out, right? Right. And it's really simple. And in fact, a lot of, there's like a lot of headline analyzers out there, power words and stuff that, that rate that headline low. Mm-hmm. But it's not about, it's about the actual results. <laughs> yeah. So I've tested 1,497 versions of this page that I'm referencing. 1,497 versions of this page over the last year and a half. And wow. that headline work, works better because th- I do one almost, uh, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. It's crazy. Um, and, and now I'll start over completely. I'm looking at all my versions here. The headline that I read you, which is really simple, is not, I'm going to keep testing headlines against it. But for the most part, grab your free copy of the 10 Cent Tour before we run out. And it has an ellipsis, a dot, dot, dot. I know that turning that ellipsis into an exclamation point will, will bring my conversions down by 3%. Huh. I kn- you know, I know that not having the ellipsis will bring my conversions down by a percent. You know, I, all sorts of crazy stuff. I changed my button to primary red, and that boosted my conversions by 15% instead of green. Um, and the reason I'm saying all those anecdotes, I'm not saying any of them will work for you, but really the only way to find out is to try. And I know that sounds annoying, but it's true, <laughs> right? Right.
1: <laughs> I know true. it is. A lot of musicians hate it. <laughs> you know, we were talking before the call. So MMM, you know, it's just a strategy. It's not a guarantee. It's not free money. If, you know that that doesn't really exist. It's a sound strategy. It's a proven strategy. Everything Josh is saying is a testament to that, and everything Can that jump, you know. In, I'm so sorry, oh, yeah, John. No, Can no, go for there? it.
0: There's no just about MMM for me at all. There's not a just on anything. MMM is a yes. It's a strategy. But it is a core, it is the core philosophy. John, you've taken the, I call them slippery thoughts, slippery concepts, concepts that are extremely difficult to sit in your mind. They they want to slip away. You've taken them and distilled them in a way that if you actually go through the course, you're very likely to understand them at the end. So... The only reason I want to interrupt you is because there's no just about Music Marketing Manifesto. Music Marketing Manifesto changed my whole life. And I hope to be emailing you in a couple of months to say, my new album just got released and we're number one on Heat Seekers instead of number nine. And then I'm very ambitious. So I want to be emailing and you say, we just made the Billboard 200. Because my eye is on, uh, I use three words when I talk about my system. Predictability, you know... Uh, sca- and well, the two of that I really use are predictability and scalability, and everything that I'm doing that and that you've taught is scalable. You know, so I can. I was saying I can get Facebook five dollars and they'll give me back a customer, right? So if I if I spend ten dollars a day, I get two customers a day. Right. So that means that's I get you know sixty customers a month. So if I spend You know, 10 times that, I'll get 600 customers a month. And if that's, it's theoretically, it's one of the first things I asked you, John, uh, was why can't I take this and be the number one album in America? And you said, you (laughs) can't. And and, and that's what I've wanted to do ever since. I want to sell 100,000 copies of an album, a couple albums from now. And I don't have the infrastructure in place yet, but I think I'm going to. You know, you need a lot of subscribers and a lot of you need a lot to do that. But uh,
1: we, we, you're okay. getting your you're, I, I want to get us off re- sort of results as much as I personally love hearing them and talk about some more strategy for people to sink their teeth into. But but before we do that, I mean, you're getting close. I mean, twenty seven thousand people on a mailing list is substantial. And when we hear these stories, these Amanda Palmer like stories where someone's generating, you know, half a million dollars or a million dollars, I think her in her case, it was one point one million on Kickstarter. She's got thirty five thousand dollars per thing or approximately that's coming in on patreon i don't know amanda palmer i i just you know i reference her a lot i don't know the workings of her career at all um but uh when to when you start when you hear those kinds of stories they the, they're almost always a result of a substantial mailing list and you're starting to get into those numbers when you give when you have a healthy fan base and you give those fans an opportunity to spend money with uh, with you and you have a range of Purchase opportunities, whether this is through an upsell or or multiple options in a crowdfunding campaign or even just an album launch where you have, you know, buy the $10 package, the $30 package, the $100 package, the $400 package. You can generate a lot of money. I remember her talking about in her TED talk, talking about the fact that, uh, you know, she was dropped from, I think it was Roadrunner because she only sold 25,000 copies, right. then set the record with 1.1 1. 1 million on Kickstarter, number of backers, 25,000, you know, and, and so what was a failure with one strategy, with one approach was a
0: record-breaking, phenomenal success with another. And just and, think of how much money they left on the table, because ostensibly those are the same people that's right. sort of the exactly the, the, the that's gist. the point yeah but so that the label left all this money on the table
1: absolutely but but and again i don't i don't know where i've had some indications from mutual friends about what size of a mailing list there might be you know and and i i don't think you're quite there yet but you're getting I think into it's
0: six figures uh, Palmer.
1: yeah I, I mean i know her social media following is um is well over that but i don't know i don't know that the mailing list is, I, I really don't know at all i just it, it was in, either
0: way so just to make it clear uh, my Facebook page was a thousand two years ago. It's twelve thousand now, right. so it has grown much slower than my email list.
1: Right, right. Well, th- yeah, the 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 that's I find that they're on par. I think with others, especially early ado- uh, adopters of various social platforms, which she kind of was. I think you tend to see disproportionate right, numbers right, in the other right. direction. Yeah, and
0: there, there's a virality in there with the their Dresden Dolls, probably with her. And then with the uh, you know the launches of getting so much uh, coverage yeah money. I, I want to be careful talking
1: about her I don't know anything about what she's oh, got. I don't either. it, it, it I don't was know. it was indicated I to me that her. yeah no very much so um, uh, but it was indicated to me you know there was that was probably somewhere in the uh, maybe fifty thousand kind of range. Again, I have no idea. Um, well, but maybe
0: really, really passionate fans. If it it's get, that number.
1: It gets hard to. Well, you know, again, she does have a massive social media following, and that's not. It's obviously going to be many more people that are exposed to her through there. But it gets hard. There is a. And it's not it's not 50,000, but there is a saturation point with email where your old list starts to drop off. You're targeting a market so completely. Like, let's say you're going after five, you know, five percent of the United States. What are we at? I can't do the math right. on 350 million. But what is what is that? Well, What's like 5% 300 uh, five percent of three hundred million? Five of 15 million of 300,000 um, people. I mean, 300 million people, right? Fifteen yeah. million. Yeah. So um, so. And then you're not gonna win over everybody in that well, audience. If you win over two percent. You're doing really great, right? But know. but so once you start to get to that hundred thousand kind of person mailing list, I I don't know. I, I haven't met too many people that have mailing lists that are not sort of giant spam lists. Um, yeah. that are too no, and much all the statistics than...
0: from like Adobe and shit and MailChimp, all the the numbers go down as the lists right. get bigger. Exactly, exactly. But actually, but, but, this this brings me to a perfect point that I wanted to mention to you that uh, I read this thing that Derek Sivers wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is sort of about scaling and this concept you're talking about. And so, you know, for everybody out there, I know a, a lot of us are, are, are thinking small, which is great. I got a new album coming out, I think is the, 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 the line I probably hear most directed at you, John, is I got a new album coming out in six weeks. What should I do? And <laughs> yeah. the answer is build a mailing list. Um, and that's what John would say. But what, what I, what, <laughs> I've heard you say it to so yeah. many people. But uh, I, the, when it comes to scale, I, I do want to stay big for a second here because I think it's motivating to me to think huge, you know, but I love the big dream. And Derek Sivers said something interesting. He sent out an email. He does it less recently, but he sent out an email that said, um, music is useless and so am I. Mm-hmm. And he went on to say that music and art are useless. And he saw, it's it's a provocative thing to sure. say to a bunch of music and artists, But but he went on to say that, well, if it was useful, it would be a tool, right? It's, 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 not that, it's not that people don't ever find art and music useful. It's that it, it's intended, it's, that's not its intent is for it to be useful, right? And so it puts us as marketers in an interesting position because here's, I like to talk about a lawnmower and this concept that like, if we're selling lawnmowers, uh, part of what we know right away is the niche is somebody who has a lawn. You know, there's sort of a product niche built in. We're not going to sell lawnmowers to people without lawns, right? right, right. Because uh, a lawnmower is useful to someone who has a lawn. So it sort of self-directs. What's weird in, uh, in, in about music, and it's a good and a bad thing, it's, it, it makes it harder at the beginning but more scalable at the end, is my theory at least. Because music is useless, we can sell it to anyone. It can be useful to anyone music can help you can help solve any problem at any point for any person so when we're talking about you know defining your fan avatar i think it gets scary when it's like but but all these other people like my music too you know and it's right. like the, the big realization to let us do this and get successful doing this was like hey that's okay it's not about these are the only people that are ever going to like your music. It's that you have to start somewhere. So I think the ultimate, for me, how I want to scale up is do exactly what you just said, right? Exhaust that audience. So right now I'm going after, you know, I've been going after for a long time an audience of about 2 million people, right? Mm. And, I, and if this is only for people who really know Facebook ads. They give you a frequency. It's a number. It's usually like something, point, something else to tell you how often they see your ad. My, my lifetime frequency is like 1.2, you know? But right. the, the, the and, and I'm saying that because you, you do get that frequency up to three or four and you sort of exhausted your audience. Exactly. And you, yeah. and, you, and you can't grow anymore. But as artists, we can move on, you know, like because we don't care who has a lawn or not. We can sell it whether you have a lawn or not. It doesn't matter. So I think it is hard at first you know, and I don't think it's a get rich quick scheme. And in fact, it's a get rich slow scheme. I would say and that's not yeah, a sure, scheme at all. Sure. Anyway, that that's the point I, I I had thought of before we were on this conversation is that music's useless and it's helpful and hurtful, and I think it's helpful to think of it like that.
1: Right, <clears throat> but I, you know, again, sort of back to just kind of my train of thought. I mean, at twenty seven thousand, you're well on your way to getting to a point where you can generate. I mean, you can already generate a lot of money from that list uh, once you start getting into some you know including some bigger ticket items in, into your front. Again, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what your different offers are throughout the course of a year, but you're only two years in when you start getting. Up Again, 50,000, 100,000 people. Even if you do exhaust that list, you're going to have the potential there. You've kind of got an ATM on your hands where you can just keep keep being awesome, keep making great music, keep communicating, keep that relationship with those fans alive, and they're going to support you. And it's just a simple matter of being you know uh offering more value than you are asking for uh, support and then and then uh, but then asking for some support occasionally and you'll find that those those friends and fans are happy to support you
0: that's actually one of my huge realizations is that it's this one sounds really stupid is that generally uh and i think this is you and other gurus that have taught me this is that um people won't do what you don't ask them to do Let me try to say that differently. For the most part, people don't buy things unless I ask them to buy something. Right. So I know that sounds stupid, but it's really profound to me. Uh, The people on my list do what I ask them to do, generally speaking. Very uh, – even with 27,000 mailing list members and 12,000 Facebook and growing audience everywhere, we get very little organic – I'm using air quotes – organic sales, <laughs> right? right? I cause our sales on purpose. Exactly. And I think that was a huge lesson for me. You know, that, that's what I call the field of dream syndrome. If you build it, they will come. Not true. It's a movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know – uh, it's you the one thing ask. I hear
1: more than anything else from artists: the whole, uh, I guess, people that are just afraid to take on marketing or have distaste in their mouth at the concept of marketing. And you hear that no, you build it, they will come. It, all it takes is a good song. It just nope, couldn't be further wrong, from wrong, the, wrong. further from the truth. Um, Paris Hilton uh, being the presidential example. know me, Paris. All, all it takes is good music. Um, but that, you know, yeah, we it's so
0: sad. I hate that. I hate that, John, because it, music's subjective. That's not how this works make something that makes you happy and makes you proud, and maybe you can market that. And if it doesn't work, it may or may not have anything to do with what that shit sounded like.
1: Right, you and, know, I, like, and, I, and the annals of rock and roll history are filled with these stories of, I don't even know if this is true, I remember it's just coming to mind Fiona Apple's story was supposedly that some her friend had uh, a demo tape and was babysitting and happened to play it while the people she was babysitting was, were having a party and that guy was a record exec in Atlanta to this big success because she's so awesome and again i there are a million stories like that don't even know if that's true it's just that story found its way into my brain one day um but those are I hate so those stories they're no. so I used the- to love them yeah, uh, they're so the exception to the rule. I mean, I was a little bit one of those stories with my you are initial the living
0: embodiment of that story. <laughs> but you got a deal that nobody gets.
1: It, it was and it and it and it was after rejection after rejection after rejection. But but one there's almost you know th- those are the stories that get told and sold. But there's always there's so much more that goes into that artist ultimately becoming successful. And obviously, in my case, with you know, I never hit the highs that I was hoping to hit because I, I wasn't successful. So it got the great beginning of the story. It just never got sold. Right. I call um, that
0: concept Waiting for My Prince to Come. I think it's yeah. extremely destructive. You know, that this totally. concept of uh, waiting for Guffman, waiting for Godot, whatever we call it, that somebody's going to swoop in. Hear you and and, save us, yeah. and and make you big. That is, I, I think that's the that might be the most destructive philosophy.
1: Yeah, out I, there. I I couldn't agree more. Um, we're we've spent a lot of time talking about just you know <laughs> we're, we we could you and I could probably go on for three hours just kind of going you know right. <laughs> um, right, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but. But, but I wanna, I wanna, I've got like three or four more things I wanna ask you, and I don't want this, the listener to have to sit through three hours of this. So cool. let's try to keep the next few questions to, you know, two, three minutes. We don't have to power through them, but let's, let's, let's make sure that we get good. Good. the <laughs> answers in. Well, it's, it's equally me. Um, but first, before we get into a couple of other questions I wanna ask you, just spell out whatever you can, be, um, what your process has been, because you, you're, the embodiment of something that I talk about a lot, which is that you took the strategy and you inserted yourself into it. And it's something that I, I'm always kind of scratching my head. Why are people not understanding this? I'm giving people a template. I'm teaching people a, a, a strategy, a marketing philosophy, but it's, it's going to, uh, it's, it's like you want to start a chicken restaurant and you have a conversation with Colonel Sanders. You can't do exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, some people might be able to succeed doing exactly what Colonel Sanders said. But the, the the truly breakout successful restaurants are going to take the essence of what this other successful entrepreneur said and apply um, it to their own unique model. And that's what you've done. You've changed things up. You've, you've still got the backbone of MMM present in what you're doing, but you've inserted yourself, you've tested things, you've, you know, turned left when right wasn't working, and you've got a lot of unique aspects um, in a, in your funnel. Um, you want to kind of just, to whatever extent you're comfortable talking about, it, you want to kind of tell people what you do to sell music, to sell these yeah. thousands of units that you've
0: been so, selling? So, uh... Instead of going like how I built it, let's just go like customer journey. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, the experience, yeah. So uh, maybe you're a fan of Fleetwood Mac, and you're between 35 and 55 years old, and you're chilling on Facebook. You might see an ad that I wrote that says, uh, hey, if you're a fan of Fleetwood Mac, uh, check out this new band. They're giving away some free music, and sometimes that's downloads, sometimes that's a CD. Uh, and then I have a photo, which uh, is probably the most important thing to test at that level, is the photo on Facebook. And, and, and I'm not saying you have to advertise on Facebook. That's what I've done. That's what John's done. It's, it's a massive audience. I think it's a really nice place to start. Uh, from Facebook, they click through. And there's so many details that we won't get into here of all of the you know, sure, sure. things you could do to optimize that. But that's a big you know, word I use, optimize, test, test, test. They click through a squeeze page. You know, and, 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 and that's a very central MMM thing uh, where you, you know, trade something of value, essentially, for someone's email. That's a huge part of my life, <laughs> uh, right. testing a page like that, constantly improving it. I've gone from 8% to 70% in terms of, like, you know, I think that would be, I would love if somebody had told me two years ago, hey, if it's not working, you're just doing something wrong. Right, if, exactly. If you're doing something wrong, 99% of the time it's messaging. Right. If it's not messaging, whatever you're doing is just probably not obvious enough or clear enough. Yeah, I too, have found
1: just too idiots- many if I could inter- interject that too many people jump ship because the first thing they try doesn't work and they, or, or doesn't work well. And they get a 10% conversion rate and they go, ah, this doesn't work. Cause they're so fearful and skeptical. And, and I get it, you know, uh, online marketers, uh, they're not all wonderful, scrupulous people. Um, and, and while I don't think of my, I think of myself as a musician, you know, that's ultimately what I'm, what I am through MMM. I'm an online marketer in the music industry. Um, and I get it that people are skeptical, but they, I, it's the failing of, every failed online entrepreneur whether it's music or anything else is that you jump ship uh, too soon you know there is a successful strategy for any decent product that uh, then meets a a right
0: but you have to find it no one's gonna find it for you in fact i have a couple entrepreneur friends who have only made their businesses successful not in music they've they hired like social media experts they hired you know conversion experts and, and, and they put together funnels for just different random niches, right? And it didn't right. work until the business owner really got involved. And I think the reason is because – tr- I've used the word a lot, but the true secret sauce is having intimate knowledge of not just the marketing – your brand, your story, your product. It's the combination of those things that make a squeeze page work. So if you if you look at, uh, a, like, John's squeeze page, and one of them that I'm remembering, you talk about, you know, music to fill your iPod for a road trip, right. which I think is awesome. But your music, like, fits that, and your look fits that perfect. You know, it's sort of a rootsy thing. Uh, it, that's not going to be the same for everyone. That language isn't going to... And it certainly didn't work for me. I tried.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> you know? but totally. so, so anyway, they hit the squeeze page. After they hit that squeeze page and they give me their email, uh, I try to sell them something right away. Usually uh, downloads a CD that changed my life. I think that's a key part of this. Uh, you know, I'm able to sell like five percent of people something right then. Right. Which, which
1: I should point out is different than what I do and what I sort of focus on, which, I mean, it's is something that I've discussed and it is a, absolutely uh, an option. And I've done things along these lines in the past, but I tend to focus on, um, I'll make subtler offers to buy right out of the gate, but I tend to focus on the free stuff and the building the relationship. And that, that has worked for me and it's worked for a lot of people. But again, it, it, feeds the point, uh, or, or, or stresses the point that you gotta <clears throat> test things and you gotta find what works for you and well, for your audience. Well, I also audience.
0: think it's where strengths and weaknesses are. My strengths sure. have always been math and numbers. Right. Uh, and, uh, so my goal this whole time is to build a profitable system, which right. is a slightly, yeah. it's a riff on MMM's main goal, right? right. Which is to build a profitable, more ecosystem. Right. You know, mine is, to the, my first step is to build a profitable customer acquisition. So I'm I'm at break even right now. So in order to chart, I scaled up on purpose. Right. What's, but but what's cool about that is I can do that. You know, like I can choose how many records we're going to sell. I literally get to choose. Right. Um, you know, and I have that's what's exciting to me right now is the the fine amount of power that I have, right. and I keep calling it we we're gonna we're doing it on purpose. You know, if you go if if you look at a hugely successful famous artist for the last 10 years, right, the, the a lot – except for the very top echelon, you know, the Rhiannons, Taylor Swift, the Drakes, the, the echelon under that, that you – you, you they don't have control of how many albums they're selling. And you can tell because lots of their new albums aren't doing well. Right. You, 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 you know, and – I'm doing it on purpose. That's what that's what I learned from MMM the most is let's do it on purpose. Don't throw shit out there and hope it works. Throw so it's that's the big difference. Is a, a label might throw out two hundred fifty thousand and hope they get some back. I throw out twenty five dollars <laughs> yeah. and hope I get some back. You know. And I do that over and over and over and over again until I also spend two hundred fifty thousand. We right. just did it way smarter right. exactly. than the label. Ever did.
1: And you bring up a good point, And it's maybe one of the things that makes this model separate from sort of what the mainstream model will ever be um, or differentiates the two at any rate um, in that. It is really important that the artist be involved with this. It is really hard to outsource this. I mean, I I have
0: impossible. Oh. Uh, it's impossible. It's
1: well, impossible. you know, I don't know that I'd say that. I've been the outsourced guy. You know, I I have done this for other people, but but they I,
0: didn't sustain it when you
1: left. That's true. They 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 didn't. Um, but uh, they paid me to manage it, and as long as I was managing, it it was working. Um, well, you know, I shouldn't say that. I mean, their their careers are still moving forward. the The rate of sales uh, didn't. Sustain after i left but i was brought on for an album release so to some extent right that could be right but but
0: it's a misunderstanding it's a it's a misunderstanding of what this is you know the like we talked about earlier i believe firmly that the album release is overwrought that the cycle is, is, is overwrought and that just by bringing someone in and then out is a it's it's like clarifying like we don't understand how this works and why this works, because the big payoff that I see is the long run, certainly not the short run. Sure, you know if if this yeah. billboard chart positions was the end game for me, I'd right. be screwed. Right, right. Because right. you know I, I'm not making money here. You know I'm not super profitable. I'm breaking even and building fans. I'm clearly going to make money for the first time ever on releasing an album because. I have twenty seven thousand people that are already asking me about it. Yeah. When
1: um, that was what I was gonna get at when your next album comes out or your next offer or even just a Christmas promotion, when you go to that audience that you're acquiring at at the very least a break even point, you're going to you know, it's just free money and it's free money for the rest. It's
0: that you say Christmas. We're gonna do huge <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's gonna be free money for the rest of your, your career to some extent. You know, the audience will cool off, not everyone will remain engaged, but many but I'm of them keep will grow exactly
0: that's exactly. what I see. It's not a it's not a uh it's a living breathing thing yeah, yeah. the list you know i get unsubscribes all the time it's another thing to get over you know talking about like little. oh tips. i want to get
1: there so don't so don't go there yeah that's on my list of I stuff want. to talk about but I, I get before we get too far away from it i just you know again perhaps just a difference of opinion i do think it theoretically can be outsourced again i've been hired to do these campaigns for people and i've succeeded with that i think you can have a someone else do this but they need to truly be a partner you can't go on fiverr or freelancer and just get somebody who doesn't care and say hey can you build me a funnel um it's never that's never gonna work
0: impossible i i actually stand by it but not for a big artist it's all about money the amount of time and effort that needs to be it 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 it, the model doesn't make sense if someone does it for you at my level. Right. So if you're a band like the Empty Pockets, it doesn't make sense to have somebody else do it.
1: Unless you truly need help just building the brand and you understand that that's what you're going into it for. I mean, there are, that's one of the things that labels have brought me in. I mean, in all honesty, all of the artists have profited substantially, but you know, they had a brand and they were going to make some profit. They made more profit with my involvement. They reached right, right. higher chart positions, or I certainly believe that, you know, I was the cause of some of these good things. Um, Obviously. but the, the brand did get to the next level and when you're dealing with a more traditional structure uh, especially independent labels that's kind of what they're thinking is okay where's the brand now how do I get the brand to the next place so that we're in a better position to make even more sales and profit right. on the next right. run and this stuff really does help with the brand and you can hire somebody to do that and that, that's probably been my biggest contribution with the artists is I've helped increase the size of the brand um, yeah. but but I think that in every case you really need to be a partner like one I'm good at this stuff and not a lot of people are that are not just working for themselves um usually when you become good at this stuff you just do it all for yourself because there's more money to be made there it's hard to find a a consultant that you can hire at any kind of i mean copywriters can make hundreds of thousands of dollars to write a letter like a sales letter like it's a it's crazy out there
0: like i'll write your seven emails for 75 grand yeah yeah
1: so so but you know I cared like every artist I've worked with. I cared about. I either was close with their team or I was close with the artist, and and that's ultimately what I think it takes is a, a I partnership. Agree.
0: That's so critical.
1: And I'm not trying to get down
0: this
1: stress this point of you can outsource. I'm actually trying to support your your postulate to the uh, opposite effect, which is that my advice is almost always because I get almost daily emails saying, "Hey, can you can I hire you to do this for me?" and my advice is almost always you know you're, you you really need to learn this stuff yourself once you can manage your business successfully then you can hire somebody else uh, to do it for you if you just want to hire somebody to set it up for you to save time you can but you need to understand what you described that when you were talking about that customer avatar that relate the voice and the yeah. relationship between you can't that buy voice that. yeah you
0: can't just go buy that the and other thing you can't do is when if Uh, I would warn in terms of having somebody set it up for you is like uh, 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 the reason I think WordPress is so critical. Something like WordPress is because it's technologically doable for someone like me or you or whatever that that this the original setup is like a tiny portion. It's the it's the tiny changes all the time. So like if you have a web guy set up your system and then you don't know how to mess with it it's useless right. to me. Yeah, no, I, I, So I that's agree. another reason. And I, I do think like it is all about big picture for me. And I think I can outsource specific jobs much more easily in the wrong, long run rather than the whole picture. For right. instance, like I think I could hire a Facebook ad agency eventually. You right. know, I think I can hire an email expert. I just think putting the whole system together is so brand and narrative intensive and and is so authentic. You know what I mean. That you have to stay so authentic to to, to who you are. It, it's just hard for me to imagine a scenario where someone could do that without, like you're saying, a huge, a major, close relationship with the artist at yeah. the least.
1: I agree. Um, we are going long, but I want to keep going because this is awesome stuff. So this is going to have to be a little bit longer than usual kind of podcast. Um, Sorry, but did, world. Did did, did, did you um, did we finish your sort of customer journey there? Did we finish describing that before I move on? I don't so know if a, we Facebook did. So
0: Facebook ad, they go into a squeeze page. They go from that squeeze page. I sell them something. Here's a critical point. Uh, you have to ask them to buy something, which we said before. Then I sell them something. I upsell them something. I learned that from John O'Jaka the concept of an upsell. Uh, I just stole John's, which is, I took the, I sell a CD usually. And then I took the rest of my music that I could scrap together and sold that all as a package for somewhere between, you know, sometimes between 19 and 27 bucks, like six, seven albums more. Um, and that turned my funnel from losing money to break even, you know, that's, that's the difference between it being workable and not workable. Right. And, uh, after that or a sort of uh, concurrent with that, they get signed up for like a two-week automation into my email list. And this is another place where John and I differ. Though I've had, res- you know, mixed results, lots of results, I email very aggressively, um, you know, every day for 80 days-ish, something right. like that. Wow. Extremely aggressively. So um, I have seen my – certainly I've seen my like open rates and click rates go down. Right my sales go up exactly
1: yeah i i'm not that aggressive at all but i'm pretty you know i'm more aggressive than most i'm more like a every three days kind of guy at least within the funnel uh, which is much shorter than 80 days but um i have no I don't prob- have an 80
0: day funnel i have a, have a 15 day funnel but i email almost every day
1: gotcha gotcha for yeah.
0: that as a broadcast
1: right i'm 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 typically more sparse than that but i have i have no problem with that if you can pull it off all that matters in my opinion is the numbers i have no problem with alienating people um that aren't interested in favor Right. of engaging and people it's simple. That aren't.
0: sometimes my email will be a question mark and it'll say how would you finish this lyric which is dangerous because I get 500 <laughs> responses right, right, you know right. and I feel like I have to email all of them you know sometimes it has nothing to do with sales I'll just yeah. say I got, got grumpy today how are you feeling oh yeah no
1: and it can't just be about sales or you'll just alienate your list but again so we don't get too far off course so okay so now now you you are on they're on the, that 15 day funnel they've either bought or they haven't they've either so, taken so you up on I your upsell, upsell, upsell or they haven't Them
0: whether they they, they bought or haven't and mm-hmm. so if they if they haven't bought, I try to go sell them that same product at some point. And if they have bought, I'm just still kind of in the testing phase of flirting with this like year-long subscription thing where mm-hmm. I charge like 40 bucks for the year. I'm calling it Epic, the Empty Pockets Insider Circle. Right. And, um, you know, I, I the people who bought the CD, I go in and at times try to get them to sort of spend more money there. And then I have various other products that I sell sort of randomly. I wish I had a better strategy right now. Right. I will eventually. Posters digital stuff you know uh, i've done uh higher ticket stuff like we did custom songs for a couple weeks last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. we did pretty good cuz we were you were doing like $2000 songs you know uh we were we were doing like and
1: selling those and selling some
0: Yeah exactly right, you know we right, sell cool. them to the list you know so that's only a few like six or seven people right. uh out of 20,000 at that time
1: Hey, but most and, people listening to this would hear like, wow, fourteen, you know, thousand dollars, twelve 000 to fourteen thousand dollars sending out an email, like that's pretty amazing to Right. Most I'm so like
0: greedy and selfish now. Like my whole life is so different than it used to be that uh perspective changes a lot. Like that right, does right. sound pretty good. Right. You know, uh, well that's now f- I work out of an office we pay for, you know, like everything <laughs> yeah. gets more intense. <laughs> right.
1: Totally, totally. Um, and have you tried doing some kind of a a uh big multi-product or multi-option anyway um, sort of release like a crowdfunding campaign, whether that was through, you know, whether it's actually crowdfunding or just multi-option sort of launch, you know, again, just to color that in for everybody listening, one of the things I just think the industry, I think it's apparent to most people, the industry is going towards access models rather than purchase models. So it's not about just saying, hey, buy my album for 10 or 15 bucks. It's about this is the experience of the new album and you pay for Intimacy and access. So for 10 bucks, you get the download. For 20 bucks, you get a signed copy. uh, For, you know, 50 bucks, you're in a monthly Skype chat with me where I'm performing live and I'm making all of this up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've
0: done some of that and we, a lot of it, like on our album release two years ago before we got into this. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be doing some of that for our new album release. We haven't really done that much. We've done a little bit, like I said, that the custom songs was set up a little bit like that. Right. Um, but I do think that, which is great, There, there is a huge amount of room for us, for the pockets, to monetize our list better. Right. In fact, I'm so obsessed with the fan acquisition system that I'm neglecting that 100%. Right, right. You, you, you know, which I, uh, you know, probably should. Yeah,
1: well, that's when, you, honestly, that's when you'll start making real money, you know. And but, But what you're doing is so important, so crucial, you know, you can't have that that real money without the fans. So you're definitely focused in the right area. But uh, once you do find the time and get that bug and, you know, it all clicks on those, those additional promotions, that's where the real money.
0: Yeah. uh, So our first real test here is this new album release, you know, because this is the first time I have my system up technologically savvy enough that I can. um, So our album will only be released on my website. That's it. right? Right. Right. So I'll be able to keep track of exactly who bought it. So I'm pretty excited about that concept. And then with this album release, we will be selling like some options and obviously some upsells. So, you know, this is sort of my first chance. And it's very important to me because I want to be able to sort of take the numbers and sort of extrapolate because we, um, you know, we, we operate out of our own studio. We can easily put out an album every year. Uh you know, if I can sort of say, oh, my email list members are at least worth a couple bucks each a year. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I I know if I have fifty thousand person mailing list and they're worth two dollars each. That's a hundred grand yeah. if I release an album. That that's getting to a, a business model where really can add on to my live music and um, sustain us for, yeah. for, forever
1: yep and that's that's the that's the magic sort of key right there once you hit that sort of state of of uh yeah the funnel or or just in terms of how your business is run i mean that's i have i have a feeling you have a especially if you get into pricing options you have a pretty impressive number uh you're I, I think you're gonna be emailing in and uh and not too too far off in the future uh, telling me about how you generated you know three hundred thousand dollars or something like that on an apple dude
0: I'll, I'll send you some money if i generate three hundred thousand. <laughs>
1: I think you. you I think you. Get, whether it's this one or the next one, I think you got it. Got it in you, and I don't think we're it's, getting close. We're getting close. Yeah, I don't think it's as far off in the future as, as you might actually think. Um, but uh, you talked a little bit about complaints, and I know that this is something that, uh, and you're how aggressive you are with emailing. This is something that freaks a lot of musicians out. This is something that. Uh, I think turns people away from the strategy. Uh, they they kind of hear the numbers, they they hear the logic to the system, and then I, I see it as you know thousands of people have bought MMM and gone through my virtual doors. And some people I see that they just can't bring themselves to send out those emails, or they get one person that says, oh you know stop emailing me yep. or uh, or unsubscribes uh, and they, and say they it's freak a out.
0: Crazy mean shit. They say some I mean, people, really crazy stuff. They say crazy unnecessary stuff you, you know I do your, t- tell some
1: stories and then give people some advice for anyone who's afraid of getting getting a little negative backlash I mean, because it,
0: it sucks it does suck you know and my wife erica is our well, great singer in our band she she gets she's very impacted by it emotionally um so there's there's a couple of things that i uh, okay so so we get sometimes really mean unnecessary personal aggressive attacks especially if we send it uh, the dreaded sales email but Like I said earlier, I'm aggressive. So I could send multiple sales emails in any given week if I feel like it. Um, And I'm basing my emails off results. So if I send an email and it does really well, I might send it again. And if it does really well, I might send something similar again. And I have found that the complaints do seem to line up with the purchases. Uh, There's something about... The same thing that turns somebody on, I don't know, turns somebody else off. So the emails do get nasty. I, they ask me to unsubscribe them. I don't. I just say I have an unsubscribe button on the bottom of it, my every email. Um, you're welcome to unsubscribe. And the reason I don't is it's just my, my little philosophical, like, you don't get to complain to me and give me an errand. At the same time, right. you, you signed up for my email list. You're an adult. You can unsign up for my email list anytime I want. The other thing I think about when I think about complaints is that if you believe in your product and you believe that your product makes people's lives better, then you would be irresponsible not to try to go get that product out there, you know? And, and I think that's like live a lot, too. I, I don't know what kind of day that guy's having, you know, so I choose to just forgive him right away. So whatever is, you know, somebody, George, emails me. Fuck you, Josh. I can't believe you tried to sell me something Thursday and Monday. You know, I'll never see your band now. Don't come to Austin, Texas. <laughs> and, I, and I might respond, sounds like you want to unsubscribe, George. Have a really nice day. Right. and uh, that, And every once in a while, if it's really nasty, I'll take it. I'll copy and paste it. I'll send it to the entire list and say <laughs> something like, George gave us a great, in quotes, review. And you know what happens? I get a hundred love letters. Yeah, You know, totally, if, I'm totally. feel, if, if I'm feeling bad about it, I just send it to the list, and people are like, "You tell me where that guy is." Uh, <laughs> so uh, I told Erica before before we met uh, John before you and I met, and I did any MMM anything. I, I said to Erica just out of instinct three or four years ago, we will know. Uh, this is a true story. I said we'll know we're getting somewhere when we start getting backlash, Absolutely. and about a year ago we started. And yeah. uh, now it's, to be honest, I don't want to scare you, but it's every day.
2: Right, right.
0: It's, it's part of my life now. It's on Facebook every single day. I spend a lot of money on Facebook ads. I spend over $5,000 a month minimum on Facebook ads. Um, you know, that's a lot for me. We make that back, but we don't make, you don't make a ton of money on that. And uh, from that spend, I get at least a annoyed comment a day on Facebook. And I get at least an annoyed comment Email a day, right? Uh, Right. That's just reality. I think it's a cost of doing business.
1: And if I could just kind of interject for that person who's going, "Well, wait, is this what I'm signing up for?" I, I, in order to be successful, I have to be hated. Um, That, that's, that's certainly not. the, the correct the answer, yes well, the answer is probably yes but that's not the correct way of looking at it to be to be successful with any strategy is to be hated i mean and you kind of touched on this just google taylor swift or i mean sorry not google but search taylor swift on twitter that's the name know.
0: i was going to say i mean uh, she has entire websites dedicated to Uh, Hating her. If you wouldn't take 1% of Taylor Swift's career, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Right, right.
1: (laughs) And and if, and that's the thing with direct response. We are reaching out, you know, with direct response marketing, which is what this is, you always get a response. That's why it's so powerful, you know, and a lot, and most of those responses are going to be positive. Uh, But
0: 99% are positive. Yeah. You're going to, can I add one thing to this? Erica came up with this strategy and it's so satisfying satisfying when it works. About 10% of the time, she's able to turn a negative.
1: Oh yeah. No, absolutely you can. When you when you take a, a non insane person who's disgruntled and you just talk and you say, Hey, so hey, I hear you. Um, here's where I'm coming from. I I've I've seen those people turn around time their and time assumption again.
0: For the most part, is they're not dealing with a human being. Right. And that they're dealing with a big, bad corporation. And once you make it clear, pretty much just by talking to them on Facebook or on email or on messenger messenger's the best. Like if if somebody gives you a Nasty message on Facebook. If I send the messenger message from my personal account, it, it could be totally different. Like we could be talking about a purchase 10 minutes later. Right. It, right. It's, it's amazing. And that's the I actually think that is direct. That's direct response marketing right there.
1: Right. You know, right.
0: like that's the whole thing.
1: The other thing to add is you get, and I'm sure you've experienced it. You, get a, you your sort of view of human beings changes when you deal with this much email. Because like being a police uh, I, officer, yeah, I think I think like two percent of people out there are 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 pretty insane, and you got to list at twenty seven thousand people. That's like was that. Uh, is that 500-ish, 500-something people uh, that are probably on your list that are just nut jobs, just completely? Like the lady
0: that ordered the album accidentally five times in a row, (laughs) meaning she, I know for a fact because of how my page is designed, she put her credit card information in five times. Right. She emailed me a bunch, I was at an airport, like coming home from a gig, over and over in only all caps. (laughs) So angry. She's going to sue us. We refund, of course, four of the five. A week later, another all caps email about God and stuff a lot, but <laughs> about what a great band we are. And I was right. like, this lady is the craziest lady. And there's no way she's listening. And I won't say her name, obviously, but yes. And, <laughs> and the other thing is, man, I mean, let's not talk politics, but I'm not a Trump supporter. Sure. I sent one email about Trump, which Erica told me not to. I did anyway, and I regret it. I yeah. have at least eight, 10,000 Trump supporters on my list. And to be honest, I want to send them i want to sell them cds so. <laughs> yeah not talking <laughs> politics is probably no wise. politics <laughs> yeah I mean, unless um, it's your brand that could be your brand
1: sure. you know like, no, no, you go after democrats
0: right. but for me it's not my brand so i i think and it's hard to take it fast hard and fast like that
1: right right um I, yeah i just kind of want i i will tell the story and then we'll, we'll kind of move on to one more question and then we got to wrap up but I remember in my very early days of online marketing, and this was actually promoting MMM. It wasn't promoting my music, um, but I was doing a promotion with CD Baby. Um, I had done a webinar for them, and so everybody who signed up got you know uh, a chance to buy MMM. This is at a discount. This is, I don't know, many years ago. So I, I've been doing this since 2009 uh, with MMM, so this is maybe 2010 or something like that. And you know how fast all this
0: happens. It's yeah, like, yeah. It?
1: And uh, I sent out – my plan was to basically offer people a discount for four days. So I sent out an email every single day. And on on day three or maybe it was five days and and on day four, I got an email from someone – actually like a reasonable email when people are just crazy and stupid and I just – I disregard that. It's actually
0: harder to hear the reasonable complaints. Uh,
1: yo, it is. Yeah, when they're crazy, I just kind of laugh and go, "Oh, cool. I'm kind of getting famous because I have I have haters. That's awesome." But when somebody's like reasonable but turned off, you know that I always respond and and hard. Yeah, it does kind of sometimes, especially when you're new to it, especially when it's, criticism is new. And um, he was basically saying, you know, you honestly are are uh, emailing too much. I don't, you know, you have got to see that anyone who's going to buy it was already going to buy it, um, and you're turning people off, and you know that kind of a email. I can't typical, remember typical, yeah, yeah. And so, so it really was like, whoa, I'm embarrassing myself. This is oh, I'm not, okay, he's right. I'm not going to email anybody. I, I had planned to email everyone the next day, which is the last day of the big promo and I, I thought to myself he's right everyone has The most it.
0: important email the probably. most
1: important email and uh i i i i had decided for a moment i'm not going to email people i this is i, I don't want to be viewed this way so i i from an hour or whatever it was i was i was content in not sending out the email then i kind of shook it off and was like wait what am i doing you know I, and i communicated with the person and we had a decent exchange um and then i thought to myself um uh, Wait, why am I doing this? I, I've been studying marketing for years. I I know the strategy here. The, Who the last fuck day is, is that guy. Is yeah, guy, la- is
0: he running a successful business? You know? <laughs> and, and the
1: and the last day, I had literally already made two million dollars plus on online, um, but I was affected because You had made
0: two million dollars online, and you were still. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine how hard it is for a musician who's made zero dollars Wow part of, well
1: part of the reason was because i my initial success had nothing to do with me it wasn't I wasn't selling my music I wasn't selling music random marketing my, it was just random, random health health related product I was just in my early adventures in online marketing where I'm just trying to make some money because you my, were in a power niche. So you were in health, yeah. unlike music. Yeah. And, and, but I, no one knew my name or who was on the other end of it. This was me. This is John O'Jaka, you know, putting uh, my career and everything I was so proud of up, uh, 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 you know, uh, it was in jeopardy, you know, my name was in jeopardy and it really affected me. So, and again, this is very early in the MMM, you know, personal brand kind of experience for me. Um, and, I, but I, but I, but I did know online marketing. So I said, what what am I doing? Um, uh, Send out the email. You know, you need to send out the email. It's important. So I shook it off and I said, no, no, stay the course. And I sent out that email and, you know, this was up. This was up relatively small promotion by in terms of earnings by today's standards for mmm but you know i made like four thousand dollars that that day which was which was more than any other day of the promotion it was the biggest day scared of the promotion. You out
0: of four grand uh,
1: because of one email and all these other emails that i'm ignoring from people that are you know so moved by whatever they're getting that they want to spend their hard-earned money and the 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 Testimon video testimonials, unsolicited video testimonials that came in from people who claim to change their lives and all this stuff that, you know, if, if if 100 people bought that day or I don't remember how many people bought that day, 40 people bought that day, you know, that's 40 lives I could have touched and I almost didn't because of one email. So what I look at and what that taught me was to look at the positive stats. And disregard the negative stats. Every successful person is polarizing, and you're kind of doing something wrong if you're not. So, so while you know, you can you can take certain things on board. I'm not saying be a robot or and I'm not saying that there isn't valid criticism out there, but if the positive stats are where they need to be or exceeding where they need to be in terms of sales and things like that, or subscribers. Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of disregard the negative stats if you're okay with your message, because it, right. it, because the, I mean, from from I don't know Jesus Christ to Bill O'Reilly and everybody in between. Um, these Bill O'Reilly
0: is a great example. He maintains a huge following after his ouster at Fox News because exactly what you're saying he's, he's polarized. i don't right. like bill o'reilly but lots of people fucking love bill o'reilly still today
1: totally after totally all that you or know, taylor gonna- or taylor swift but but uh you know you you you, you love her or you hate her and that's part of success so i just don't want people to be scared off by this stuff it is going to happen if you're successful it's not going to happen with 10 10 people on your list but it's part of the course and it's something that people don't need to be um scared of and i'm i'm glad that you kind of scary it it's out.
0: scary and, and I, I i i just to add a tiny thing to what you're saying you know that I think that we can take feedback, but I would be especially leery of advice, you know, and that's that that's the worst one is the advice, because it's like, you don't know my strategy. Like, you don't know what we're trying to accomplish here. Why are you giving me advice? At least the complaints I can be like, okay, they didn't like it. I may or may not change it, but I heard you. Right, the advice, sure. is, it gets under my skin. It's, yeah, it's neither yeah. here nor there, but it's like I, that's when you really can't listen. Because right. it's like they don't know. They right. don't have any context. I prefer them, like you said, just to be mad because then I'm like, well, they were mad. That made them mad.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have more questions, but we've gone on for almost an hour and a half, and we do need to kind of end now. Boy, I'm but, a
0: talker. I'm sorry, man.
1: Oh, no. We, we both are. No, this is great stuff. I want to keep going because I just – I love it. You're such a, a great embodiment of a successful – and music marketing manifesto artist, if I can, if I can take that liberty. But, um, so I was going to ask you a question and then ask, you know, to wrap up with some advice, but, um, instead I'll just kind of ask one question that will hopefully encompass that. This is the number one challenge I get on my ads. So I, I, I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads and, And, uh, I, every day, you know, I'm getting feedback and most of it's positive, but there's always some people that are challenging the, the whole premise of MMM. And the number one thing that I hear that makes me want to pull my hair out is people don't buy music anymore. And, and while obviously we know the mainstream industry is experiencing a massive slump in terms of, um, album sales, because of the way that people consume music is changing, it is absolutely in my opinion not true that people don't buy music anymore i see it constantly i could i could cite stats all day long and obviously you already have but what you what do, what say you to that to those oh boy, people man. that so nobody buys music this. anymore
0: i'll try to keep it con- concise all right first of all you got to ask yourself when you're asking this question when you're saying this nobody buys music anymore like john said there's some truth to that but first we have to ask ourselves this question of like why are we in music in the first place because music is a shitty niche. It's a bad niche. If you were picking a niche to go make money quickly, it would not be music. It wouldn't have been music 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been music 50 years ago, it wouldn't have been music 100 years ago. Do you agree with all that, John? Absolutely. If you're picking if you're picking a niche, in fact, John said it. The 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 the, the all guru internet marketer gurus out there know that there are three power niches. Health, wealth, and relationships. And it makes sense. Everybody wants more money. Everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody wants a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or to get along better with their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife. So my first response is, if you want to go out there and and make money the easiest way on the Internet, then don't be a musician. It's a really (laughs) stupid idea. Yeah, totally. Um, My second thing to say to it is, I don't understand what you mean (laughs) when you say people aren't selling music anymore. Well, first of all, they they are. Go get a Billboard magazine. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of music being sold. It's a multiple billion dollar industry, and not everybody wins. As in, everybody who wants to become a doctor doesn't become a doctor. Everybody who wants to become a lawyer just because you want it is not enough to do it. Not everybody is successful. I like to talk about wool, the the material, the textile in the in the in the a long time ago, hundreds of years ago in England. Uh, they, they, the wool industry was huge in England. In the same way, let's say that the music industry was huge in America in the 1970s, right? And it was so huge that when they discovered sending ships with the explorers on over to Asia, when they discovered, you know, cotton, when they, when they had linen fabric from China, they made that shit illegal because they were protecting the wool industry, right? And, and at some point, they were right, as in linen did take over, right? But... Wool still exists. And in fact, there are still people today that make a living on wool. So my point of that anecdote is, music is the music industry is obviously changing. And the, way, the gross amount of money that ma- the music industry made this year is less than it was 10 years ago. That doesn't mean it's going to be that 10 years from now. I'm not saying what it's going to do. I obsess over the music industry, but I still can't predict it. I just think that's a super lazy thing to say. It doesn't right. even make any sense. Why are you <laughs> why are you on a why are why was John able to target you on Facebook if you don't believe in the music industry? Right. Like if we don't sell any music, why did you learn how to play the guitar? Or why did you learn how to write songs? You know, if the <laughs> industry doesn't exist, why are you attempting to be in an industry that doesn't exist? Right, so that's right. that's my response to that. It's and obviously the short answer is it's wrong. People are selling music. They're not selling as much music by the dollars as they were 10 years ago, but they're selling a shit ton more of it by the, co- the amount of consumption, a right. lot more. <laughs>
1: well yeah and it, I, I don't know where the stats are in 2017 I'm not even sure where they landed in 2016 but I know a few years ago when I did quite a lot of research on it for a related post to this theme uh, the stats I was finding was that the music industry is actually
0: generating more income than it has in years past or at least the, the 17 q one seventeen 17 is stronger than any single quarter in 16 and it's because this year it's because of streaming is kicking ass finally. right
1: well, well there you go yeah the the sale the income is generating uh, being generated from uh, other segments but But, you know, album sales for the mainstream industry have declined dramatically, but that's because you can... Get the music on Spotify for free. But as independent artists, we're never going to have the power to go and appear so mysterious and sexy because of our nationwide hit that you just have to have it or or listen to it 10 million times on Spotify. So we don't have the opportunity to generate the the average independent musician does not have it in them to generate that many streams or to generate or, or to achieve any kind of real branding. Success. So instead, we build stronger, healthier tribes and make a lot of money off of a small number of people instead of making uh, a small number of money, a small amount of money off of a large number of people. Absolutely,
0: I have a big prediction for the music industry. My guess is that vinyl and compact disc will both settle at about ten percent of the industry each in the long run. Interesting. Interesting. You know, so. So I don't think anything's going away. That's why I say that wool example. Yeah. Linen didn't eradicate wool. Wool still exists. We don't only need one thing. You know, I do think. Uh, you know, my number one demand from my customers, articulated by my customers, are CDs. Uh, every a and you know, every label guy I've ever talked to is like, oh, God, get out of CDs. And I understand some new cars don't have CD players. Laptops don't have CDs. I'm not basing it on that. I'm not making an assumption. I'm literally basing it on what my fans want. When they decide they want something else, I'll make something else. Right. You know, right. like, like that's how they articulate it to me.
1: Right, exactly. Uh, Getting fans to spend money with you, that's never going to stop being viable. Oh, and who gives a shit?
0: If if, it's vinyl, if it's CD, if it's it's an experience, if it's a show. Basically, at the end of the day, it's as simple as, hey, I mean, maybe not saying it this way, but it's as simply as asking what they would like. Right. And then giving it to them for
1: Absolutely. A Absolutely. And not getting caught up trying to mimic what the mainstream artists are doing when you will n- not have a chance to compete as no, an it, independent artist.
0: It would be like – it's like the mainstream artists are like astronomy and all the planets and, and shit. And we're like, you know, uh, what's, it, <laughs> what's it called? Einstein studied, you know, little tiny. We're –
1: re- Theory of relativity. What are you talking
0: about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that's that study. All that shit. You know, the, the the all the the rules are different. That's why the theory of relativity doesn't work, right? Because the you know the mechanics at the micro level with atoms and protons are completely different than the mechanics of two planets. Right. Taylor Swift and Beyonce <clears throat> oh. are planets, and we're right. protons and electrons. Gotcha. The rules are different. Sure, they, sure, they, sure. You know what's good for Taylor Swift is not what's good for me.
1: Well said. Well said. Well, this is, I think, going to be. I have to check. I think this is going to be the longest uh, episode of the MMM podcast oh, okay. we've had. But no, but I, I think it's fantastic stuff, and I certainly could edit it down or uh, and, and cut things out. But I'm definitely not going to because this is great stuff. And and I, for one, am absolutely <laughs> floored by the fact that you have no intentions of of jumping into the uh, online marketing space because you you'd probably kick my ass at it. You have a great head on you, and you're doing. You're doing so good uh, with this stuff, and it's so in, so cool to see you staying focused um, on your own music. Because I see a lot of people learn this stuff and then start seeing, wow, there is more money in other spaces, and then starting to focus Health, wealth on, and relationships, uh, yeah, my friend. I, yeah.
0: You know, I gotta say, I said it before we get on, but I really feel like it's worth saying that you know I think gratitude is uh, really important, and it pays back. And I just gotta say, John, uh, before we go that. Music Marketing Manifesto came into my life at, the, at, at this perfect moment, and it totally changed everything about my, I mean, everything about my band, about my relationship with my wife and my father, about, it changed my whole life. And that is, that's always, uh, that, you can't take that away. You know what I mean? Like, well, thanks, I'm so man. glad you came up with this program and didn't keep it all for yourself. You know, uh, I think that was good of you. And if you're out there wondering uh, music marketing manifesto, John and I don't know each other. We've never met each other. <laughs> We're not <laughs> friends, though. Maybe we will be friends one day. Are you still in New Zealand?
1: I'm still in New Zealand. Yeah.
0: So probably not. But I like it. Uh, <laughs> but it, it did change my life. So, if, you know, whatever that means to you listening out there, um, I think it's like one hundred fifty dollars. So, uh, like I said, I don't know if I said on the podcast or, or unrecorded yet. That has got to be the best 150 bucks uh, easily I have ever spent on my music career.
1: Thanks, man. I r- I really appreciate that. It's very touching and and as corny as it sounds, it's why people like me do what we do. It's you want to hear stuff like that. So th- thanks a lot. Um and uh we we talked about setting up because uh, you've got a sort of special squeeze page that you put together for folks listening to this who want to check out your stuff, get some free music. Uh, we'll send people to musicmarketingmanifesto.com dot com forward slash the empty pockets. Uh, again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash the empty pockets get some music from Josh and the empty pockets and uh, check it out and you know you want to pay it forward if you have if you enjoy all uh, of the uh, insight that Josh Josh has shared with you today uh, you know pay it forward and, and pick up a copy of uh, their album I know they'd appreciate it and uh, yeah it'd, it'd be cool uh, at the very least listen to some free stuff and. Check, check, out what they're about. Cause, uh, this guy's got a good head on his shoulders and I think you're going to be hearing, um, more from them in the near future.
0: Thanks a lot, Josh. Thank you so much, John.
1: Take care. All right. How about that? Uh, I am, I'm just so proud of these guys. So proud of, of the success that they're having. Uh, again, the, the, the kudos goes to them. Their success is a result of their hard work, but the fact that the course, Music Marketing Manifesto, has played some small part in at least inspiring them to take action and laying out a, a blueprint that they could follow. Uh, I'm really proud of that. It uh, means a lot. So, again, thanks to Josh for taking the time to uh, share his story, share the band's story uh, with us. Uh, I know that the interview, well, it, was a, it was a bit of a long one, went on longer than the average Music Marketing Manifesto podcast episode. Uh, but what can I say? Uh, you get two guys like me and Josh Talking and it's hard. It's hard to stop. There was just so much good stuff there uh, that that we wanted to keep going. And we did. Um, so once again, if if you enjoyed uh, the episode, uh, you appreciated the time that Josh took to to share their story with uh, you guys then uh, head on over to music marketing manifestocom forward slash the empty pockets uh, download some of their music for free if you like what you hear consider picking up their album I know they'd appreciate it and uh, and you'll get some insight into uh, the fantastic job that they'll they are doing with their marketing uh, likewise, keep an eye on your inbox for more information about the release of Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. It's big news in my little world. I'm very excited to open the doors to this new program. Uh, it, it is absolutely going to be the best thing that that I've ever done, and, and I'm excited to share the content with you guys. So keep an eye out uh, or keep an eye on your inbox for that. Uh, currently plan to release that on July 26th. That, of course, is 2017. And finally, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, head on over to iTunes or the Stitcher app or uh, Google Play or wherever it is that you, you listen to this podcast and, and leave a review, leave a rating and a review if you would. Those reviews, they really help the podcast uh, attract more listeners and more listeners means more episodes. Um, so. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again to Josh and the Empty Pockets. Uh, keep an eye out for those guys. Uh, again, I, I know they've got uh, big things headed their way. Uh, thanks for listening and take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John OJaka If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.